0: Daily with Jason Mertedas, and welcome to your Monday, May 11th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. We wrapped up player profiles on Friday, so if you if you missed any of the player profile episodes, go back into your. Uh, Library and they're all there for you to check out. Many of the players, I'd say about 85 percent of the players in which we did a player profile, which is the entire roster, uh, also appeared at some point either on the day of their player profile or another day. Uh, So look for those as well. Also, uh, about a week ago, we did an interview with uh, Flyers head coach Alain Vigneault. Uh, You can check that out. And a couple weeks ago, caught up with Flyers general manager Chuck Fletcher, and that is in the Flyers fix category. Uh, in uh, iTunes or wherever you consume this and other podcasts. So you can check all those past episodes out there. We also, a week ago, did the player profile of Flyers goaltender Brian Elliott, and he will join us on this episode of Flyers Daily. Real interesting conversation with the veteran. Been around a long time, seen a lot in the NHL. Uh, So we'll talk to him as it's been now 61 days since the Flyers played the Bruins back on March 10th as the pause continues. So before we get to uh, the Brian Elliott and that interview, a couple things to, t- to mention here first and foremost. First, to, first of all, we're probably expecting to hear a decision this week from the NHL uh, in regards to the draft, and will it be in June? At this point, probably not going to be. June 5th uh, was the date that was thrown around early on when uh, there was some speculation that this was being talked about and uh, that the draft could be in early June, uh, probably looking a little bit more like uh, maybe the week after that at this point. So we expected the decision to come down on the the NHL draft if they will hold it in June. There has been a little bit of uh, mixed feelings around the NHL. Some teams, like the teams that are out of the playoff mix, kind of like it because they can only be jumped by uh, a limited amount of teams in the draft lottery. Draft lottery would change a bit as well. Um, But also, uh, you know, there's a good portion of teams that are kind of just saying, "Okay, this kind of is what it is. We get it. It's a pandemic. It's absurd. But absurd things happen during absurd times. Um, So they're kind of resigned to the fact that if the league wants to do it, which they seem to, um... TV seems to want to do it, Uh, both uh, the networks in Canada, Sportsnet, and here in NBC in in not just Philly, but uh, in the United States would give them hockey content even before the game where to potentially return to the ice. Uh, so we'll see if, in fact, that will happen. I suspect it will, uh, but we'll find that out probably this week what the NHL plans to do about the NHL uh, 2020 entry draft, which could be as much as just four weeks away from now, and again, before players return to the ice. does does present some, some complications, but not an impossibility as some of the uh, d- trades and, and conditional uh, aspects of trades could be worked out in other ways prior to that draft or the league it could step in and uh, kind of determine what should happen in those situations. I believe there's about 16 of those conditional deals uh, that would be affected in this year's NHL draft. And obviously, the league saw uh, what the, the you know the, the coverage and the ratings that the NFL draft got. Of course, the NFL draft is always big. Uh, But with no games and not a lot of sports happening on television, uh, it could be a good way to kind of kick hockey fans back in the butt and say, all right, we're getting ready to go here and get things underway and give you some new things to talk about, new content. And the entry draft could be exactly that coming up in about a month's time. So we'll find out about that. Also, uh, some reporting came out last week from uh, Newsday, and uh, the the, reporter's name is Andrew Gross. Uh, had sourced information. He said that uh, the NHL return-to-play scenarios have now been narrowed down, narrowed down to two potential options. The first scenario includes a 24-team playoff field, and under this plan, the top four teams would play for playoff seeding, and the bottom teams would then have a postseason play in games or play in mini round. Not sure exactly how that would work. He didn't expound on that. The second plan includes only 16 teams heading straight into the playoffs with no regular season games being salvaged. And it seems like there's a lot of uh, chatter right now and a lot of momentum behind uh, the thinking that the teams that are firmly out of playoff contention, those bottom seven teams, if you will, Detroit, Ottawa, the Kings, uh, the Ducks, those kind of teams, that their season is probably over. Um, Those teams don't want to come back uh, because they don't want to come back for very limited gain. They would eat up more testing, and the more— teams you put into the center of the circle to have to control, the more difficult that that gets. So I would think that the season's probably over for those teams, and if the league can do it, uh, based on timing, 24-team playoff field could be the answer, and, and as it said in the report, the top four teams would play for playoff seeding. And that's not the top four teams, at least it's not my understanding, in the NHL. It's the top four teams per conference. So the top four teams in the Western Conference are St. Louis, who has 94 points, the Colorado Avalanche, who have 92, uh, 86 is the Vegas Golden Knights, and 83 would be Edmonton. So those four teams, one would play four, uh, two would play three, and they would figure out the playoff seeding with those teams battling it out for home ice advantage or just seeding in the playoffs, and which tells me also that they're probably going back to a seeding system instead of the bracket system, which they haven't had since ninety two ninety three. 93 uh, In the Eastern Conference, the top four seeds, the Boston Bruins, who would be the top seed overall in the NHL, uh, with 100 points. The Tampa Bay Lightning have 92 points. The Capitals have 90, and the Flyers are one back with 89 points. So the Flyers would take on Boston in this uh sort of seeding round if you will while the other teams like the penguins the hurricanes the blue jackets islanders rangers panthers and canadians would all play it out for the play in situation to get to the field of 64 or 16 excuse me and that's how it would work so we'll see how that plays out and a lot of that'll depend on timing but the league uh, seems really really uh, resolute on getting this playoff in in some way shape or form the league also is seems very willing to push the calendar uh, pretty far uh, to to the point where we could see the 2021 season actually start in mid December. Some reporting from Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet in Canada. Friedman also said that the players and the uh, owners or and uh, the PA and the and the league have agreed that they need an off season of 45 to 55 days. So if the playoffs were to end at the very end of September or right at October, then you'd be looking at teams getting to camp somewhere around the third week, around Thanksgiving uh, of November, like November 23rd, and then having a two and a half to three week camp and that would take you right to mid-December. That's a possibility. If the NHL playoffs were to be pushed into August and September, then the, the period of, well, it depends if they do the draft or not. The draft would be in there if they don't do it in June. It would be draft, free agency, and that period for players to be able to recover and then eventually get themselves into a preseason. The other ad- advantage to that, too, is if fans uh, still aren't in the buildings in, say, September or October, maybe they will be able to be in buildings come December About 40% of the NHL revenue does come from tickets, much like the NBA where it's 40% as well. And Adam Silver, uh, the commissioner of the NBA, talked about that with the NBA Players Association this past week and also said there is a chance that the NBA, and you'd have to think the same is for the NHL and and all of sports, they are prepared uh, to play without fans. Uh, until the end of this calendar year of 2020. And we'll see if that even goes into 2021. But a lot of that depends on things that we can't control right now and that science is going to have to take care of. And we'll see where that how that plays out in due time. But in the meantime, uh, the two scenarios that Andrew Gross from Newsday put out is the 16-team playoff field, which is the second preference for the league, and then the 24-team playoff field with the playing games and the top four seeds battling it out for seeding uh, for the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll see what happens. Let's get to my interview right now with Brian Elliott. Had a chance to catch up with Moose. Uh, just uh, last week on Friday, uh, we did his player profile last Monday. Been in the league a long time. Can speak from a lot of experience and gone through a lot of different things in the nhl including a long playoff run with st louis where he went to a conference final so here's my conversation with flyers goaltender brian elliott we did his player profile this past monday and he joins us here on flyers
1: daily ah from new market ontario the university of wisconsin and flyers goaltender brian elliott joins us uh moose how you doing man not too bad
2: uh just trying to make the best of the situation right now.
1: Are you back in uh, Ontario? Where, where are you kind of sitting this whole thing out?
2: No, I'm actually uh, in Madison, Wisconsin right now. So we have our, our summer place here. So I'm just uh, sitting uh, on my dock right now looking at uh, the Capitol building uh,
1: in Madison. Do you get a little fishing done out there?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I actually went out last night. It was a nice full moon and um, caught a nice, nice size uh, largemouth bass. So I was pretty happy. and. Um, gives me hope the water temperature is getting to a nice uh, little warmer so we can
1: uh, wake the fish
2: up here a little bit.
1: Uh, do you do you cook the fish up uh, or do you put, throw them back in?
2: Uh, no, I just fish for fun around here, especially bass. I mean, you're not going to
1: cook those up. Yeah, not going to taste real good. Um, one of the things – let me ask you about Wisconsin real quick. Cause you went to the University of Wisconsin. As I'm looking at your numbers – um you you jumped in in wisconsin in in your freshman year you only played six games but in your second year you played nine but your save percentage in those first two years you really your whole career at wisconsin was through the roof did you get there and kind of feel like wow this uh, this is pretty easy not that it's easy but you had a lot of success early on (laughs) yeah
2: i mean we had we had some good teams um and you know they put me in some good situations uh right off the hop there coming in and it was kind of a, a you know, a freshman, junior, uh, and then sophomore, senior type of rotation. So as soon as you hit your junior year, you were going to be the starter. And, um, so the first two years I, you know, I played really well. I think I probably got shut out half the games I was in and, um, still couldn't, you know, get in all the games, but, uh, you know, I knew my chance was coming and, you know, by my junior year, uh, we hit the ground running and we won the national championship that year. And, um, you know it's kind of hard to cut the cord that's why i'm <laughs> sticking around around here
1: yeah well you get used to that adrenaline and, and the position it means so much um yeah you're right in your, in your sophomore year you, you play in nine games you get three goose eggs I mean, your your GAA was 116 and your save percentage 945 setting you up for that that national championship what was it like winning a national championship though that's got to be pretty incredible
2: yeah it was uh it was a wild ride um You know, we, we went in uh, first overall in the pairwise rankings and uh, ended up, you know, really uh, having a good shot at it. We played our, uh, uh, our playoffs were in Green Bay and Milwaukee, so we, yeah, we kind of had home ice advantage all throughout the playoffs and, um, you know, it was just, uh, it was just everything lined up and. Uh, on my 21st birthday was uh, the night of the national championship game, so uh, we celebrated in style. Oh, man, that,
1: the stars aligned perfectly for you on that. Um, what was that yeah. jump for you like? You know, going from the NCAA um, and, and having all that success there, and then jumping into to being a pro player. You jump in and you get some games in that same season with Binghamton and the Senators. I'm sure at brew marina there, and then uh, with Ottawa, you bring you, you start your NHL career. But what was the jump like for you? Going from NCAA hockey to to professional hockey
2: um it was different I mean I, I was uh, I played a certain way um, that really no one plays our goalie coach here at Wisconsin was kind of an old school guy and um, we had to play a certain way to to get in the net and um, you know one of the first things my goalie coach in uh, in Ottawa said to me was what, what do you have to change and my answer was everything so and he's <laughs> like yep that's exactly what you got to do. So I had to change pretty much, you know, all my angles, how I was approaching each, each play. And, you know, it took a little bit of time to get out of all the routines that you're in for four years, kind of practicing day in and day out. And I I definitely think it helped me. I mean, it, it, you know, it makes you look at the game from a little bit of different angle. It helps you kind of be uh, have different save options and try to be as quick as possible. But when you have pro shooters shooting on you, they can pick holes that college guys can't. And uh, you really have to, you know, be square as much as you can to each shooter. And that's not how I was playing in, in college. It worked there, but um, you have to change up the
1: style when you get to the pros. What were you almost, t- you know, giving guys something in college only to take it away, knowing you could?
2: Pretty much, uh, you know, if they were coming in not straight on, you were uh, you were giving them the far side of the net and nothing short side, and uh, and then making your your save selection from there. But when uh, when
1: you do that with uh, NHL players, they just eat you up. Yeah, it'll just blow by you. Um, you've been in the league a long time. You know, you make your pro debut all the way back in 06, 07, but uh, you're now here 14 years later and your games had to evolve over that time because the positions evolved so much. Uh, what's that been like kind of evolving your game through the years and, and the different goalie coaches that you've worked alongside and, and guys that you've been in tandem with as well.
2: Yeah, it's, it's been fun. I mean, when you, when you look back at, you know, the certain changes that you make during those, uh, those periods during those years, you, you really, um, uh, you appreciate it. I mean, it's, there's little nuances there's little things that you change like your post play that kind of changed in the middle of my nhl career and um you know you save a lot of goals just because of uh how you're setting up on your post nowadays it's it's a lot harder on your hips and i think a lot of young goalies are practicing it way too early and they're going to have problems you know later on in life because your hips are not meant to do that but uh you know i luckily it was halfway through my career where i was strong enough to withhold that and, uh, be able to do it right now. But yeah, it's, uh, little things like that. And then, you know, trying to use your gloves more, trying to, you know, kill plays more rather than push rebounds out. Um, that's kind of changed. So you're trying to catch a lot more pucks. And I feel like, you know, in the middle of my career, I, I, you know, benefited that from that a lot. Um, you know, and then you just try to keep evolving, you know, players start getting better, players start
1: doing different things, and, you know, you got to be a step ahead of it. Yeah, you always got to be adjusting because, like like you mentioned, the post-integration and the RVH players adjusted to that, and you saw guys trying to take that top corner away, and and, then you're right, too, with with younger players and and goalies that I coached growing up, you know, they all want to be in RVH all the time. And now we're like trying to get these kids to stay on their edges a little bit and, and get off their knees a little bit of time. But uh, you're right, the hips are not made for that. How are your hips holding up now?
2: Yeah, well, I had, eventually I had to get hip surgery, but uh, yeah, it's been uh, really good since then. And um, you know, you just you got to stay on top of it, you got to maintain it. But I've had a lot of good help with that and um, good resources and. Um, like you said, I try to stay on my edges as much as I can. I mean, I feel like I'm more comfortable and more explosive off of there rather than on my knees. And, um, you know, so I, I try to stay as, up as much as I can and that makes it easier. And, you definitely have to be uh, uh, pick who you're really going to try on in practice because if you're trying uh, on those post plays on, on every single one, you, you're probably going to tear up your hips prematurely. So uh, I, I think it's a, a natural balance. I think Kim uh, Dillabaugh and our goalie coach in Philly has been really cognizant of that. And, you know, they're really on the on the leading edge of, you know, trying to stay ahead of, of injuries, especially when you got a guy like Carter Hart coming in and uh, he's a young guy, but, you know he's he's played a lot of games, uh, you know junior hockey and and international play, and you know that put that's put miles on your on your body. So you have to you know be cognizant of what uh, what you're doing and be smart about it.
1: Uh, when you look at you're playing with a, a, a young goalie in Carter Hart now, and Kim Dillaball your goalie coach. Um, Carter is one of those guys for his for his age is is way ahead where a lot of guys are at that time technically. I'm sure he's ahead of where you are technically at that time, just because the position is more technical now. H- have you learned some things from his technical aspects of his game as well?
2: Um, for sure, I, like I always say, whenever you play with somebody or you're, you're watching them at the other end, you know during when they're getting shot at, and you're watching them during games if they're the one in and. Um, you're picking up on the little things they they do. And sometimes you like the stuff they do. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes, you know, uh, you try it and you don't feel comfortable. And you go back, you know, or sometimes you try it and, and uh, you stick with it. And I think that happened with me in St. Louis. And Jake Allen was starting, you know, the reverse uh, on the post. And I started to give it a try and, and get more comfortable in it. And I felt it really helped my game. So you're just taking little bits from everybody. And I think the goalie community has been you know, trying to help each other out. I mean, every they call it the goalie union for a reason, and everybody's, uh, you know, in it for the same same end game, stop pucks. So, um, you know, it makes the position so much fun. You know, you always got to be evolving, and uh, you can't get stuck in
1: your ways. Yeah, and it's fun to kind of go like, hey, why did you kind of choose that save selection in that spot, and you get the, and somebody explains it to you, and you go, oh, now that makes sense, and then you give it a shot, and maybe it works for you, maybe it doesn't, and Active hands are always a, a very important thing. Um, th- talk about, uh, you know, with the with the St. Louis Blues, you went on a playoff run to a conference final. You had a real good playoff in that in that season for St. Louis. Um, for, if this league is to jump right back in, Moose, and, and kind of not go back into a regular season, give you guys some sort of training camp, and jump right back into gameplay. Having played a lot of playoff games, well, is there a detriment in that? Because I mean, the hockey is different come playoff time.
2: Uh, it is but you know these are unprecedented times i mean no one's uh no one has ice to skate on and um you know maybe a couple guys do but not many and um you know it's it's going to be different nobody really knows what to expect and um right now you know you hear different things on any, any given day and there's nothing uh you know coming our way that uh uh we can count on as far as when we're going to get started up or if, and um, you know, we're just kind of hoping, trying to stay in shape. And um, you know, when it comes down to it, I think, yeah, whoever can get back in that groove and uh, whatever team can, you know, feel uh, uh, you know how that chemistry they had before going into the break um, can get that back. I think that's, that's the team that's going to come out on top. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily think if we do come back, the best team will win the Stanley cup. I think, um you know the team that can come together and gel and and get that chemistry rolling again will will win it and um you know that's that's what's exciting about it too you know everybody has a chance so we we definitely want to get back going again because that chance uh doesn't come around you know too often uh in careers and you got to take advantage of it when it is there and and if it's there
1: it's a great point. It's one I've been making so often on, the, on Flyers Daily here, um, that teams that went into the break playing really good hockey may not come out of it that way and, and vice versa. Um, as far as training goes for you, what are you doing to try and do your best to, to stay in shape? There's in shape, and then there's hockey shape, and then a couple to take it even further, there's being in goalie shape. Uh, what are you doing to try and simulate that and stay in as uh, best condition as you can as you kind of wait and see what happens?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm basically taking my workouts that I have been uh doing the past couple summers uh right before training camp and trying to, you know, get those get your hips, get everything rolling that uh that needs to be mobile and and smooth and um you know, it's it's basically mobility stuff and uh try to keep your strength up. So, I've been rolling around the driveway and the backyard and my neighbors probably think I'm crazy doing all these uh you know, hula hooping and, and all the other crazy things that, uh, that I do, but it all has a purpose and I've been able to trust it going into camps and in summertime. So I'm just sticking with that. And, um, you know, I, I really don't need a, a gym to go into, you know, I have everything at home, uh, whether it be bands or boxes or, you know, sticks and hula hoops and all the things that, uh, that you need. Uh, it's, uh, for us as goalies, we have to work out a little bit differently and we always get made fun of for it because they call it goalie workouts. But, um, if they tried to jump into our trees and do our movements so with their workouts, they wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah, you're
1: absolutely right. God. so well said. Um, and you know, I, I remember a story from Eddie Belfort one year when they came in, um, to, for conditioning tests to training camp one year, and they told him to go over to the bench to see how many times i could i guess he could bench like one eighty five and he goes uh when when me benching one eighty five has any that anything to do with stopping a puck, then I'll go over there in the meantime beat it <laughs> you know like what's the yeah. point <laughs> exactly I mean you definitely have to have your your base strength, but
2: uh uh, our position is so unique that it's, you know, unless you're really doing a lot of research into our movements and, and know what exercises, uh, is good for each, you know, save and moving around the crease and, you know, everything else is out the window really. But, um, you know, you still got to look good at the pool sometimes too. So you gotta, you gotta build up the beach bod.
1: Yeah, I hear you there, or in your case, by the lake. Um, Moose, when um, you look at the situation this year for you guys, and you, you know it will be exciting, if, if the, whether it's a 2014 playoff field or a standard 16 or however they figure it out, uh, should they. Um, heading into the playoffs, you guys were really a team that has come together this season. I don't think you lost back-to-back games for three and a half months, which is incredible when you consider how many good teams are in this league and everybody can win on any given night. Um, you got a sense of uh, unfinished business. Like this team can really do some damage in the playoffs. Yeah, I think you know
2: the the ten games that we had before break, we really saw things coming together, and I think we had a lot of belief in our locker room. I, we still do, but um, you know you build that over a season, and I think the coaching staff and and you know our leadership group down to the young guys, I think have really done a good job in you know buying in and and starting to really believe that you know, on any given night we can beat any team and, you know, you put us in a seven game series, you know, like you said, if you don't lose those back to back games, you're, you're probably going to do well in that series. And, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate right now to, to be out of it, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's also exciting. Like I said, you, you definitely have a chance if we come back. So I don't know when that's going to be, you hear so many different reports, but, um, you know, it's, uh, I think the guys are still staying positive, and, you know, everybody's uh, throwing team text messages, little, little miss you, miss you bro kind of thing, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think it lifts everybody's spirit, too, that, uh, you know, we're still a team, and, you know, the season uh, isn't uh, out the door yet.
1: Uh, one of the things, uh, did you play in the Quebec Pee-wee tournament, by the way? No, no, never did. Okay, so the last time you probably not played in front of a crowd uh, was probably around Pee-wee. You know, at Banums you start to get some people in the building, and you probably played at a pretty high level. So there were probably a lot of people there watching, and, and that kind of stuff. did what, see you
2: didn't see my junior game, my junior games before I went to college. We didn't have uh, any fans.
1: Uh, really? Then no girlfriends in the in the stands? You get girlfriends once in a while oh, in the league.
2: I don't even think the parents
1: came. <laughs> that was for the uh, the Axemen.
2: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no we kidding. didn't draw. We didn't draw well.
1: Okay. Well, uh, what's it going to be like playing NHL games if, if you guys do come back with no fans, if that's the scenario that plays out? It's a little weird. You know, it, Sometimes it's good to be in, in an away building because it's that us against the world mentality. And obviously at home, you can get the crowd behind you. Uh, for a goalie, or for you in particular, um, do you do everything you can to block out the crowd or do you ride it a little bit?
2: Um I try to block out the crowd. Um so it might be nice. I don't know. You don't have to work so hard to block it out, but um it, it'll definitely be different. Um you know, it'll feel like a, a scrimmage scrimmage game and you know, even with our preseason scrimmages, we have fans in the practice building. So that's even going to be different, but um yeah, it, it'll be weird and I I think experience will help. I think uh you know, momentum, uh, will be, will be different. I mean, you won't feel that crowd coming down on you or, or vice versa. And, um, you know, it's, it's unprecedented. It's going to be interesting if it does come back. I mean, um, I'll be, uh, uh I'll be trying to take in the, the experience cause it's probably, you know, the first and hopefully
1: the last time that happens. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it'd be the, the one benefit to it would be when you're on the power play, people not yelling shoot when there's no lane to shoot. So, <laughs> <laughs>
2: exactly but but how would the guys know when to shoot <laughs> yeah
1: oh, unbelievable the other thing too is you hear a lot of, you're gonna hear a lot of chatter out there possibly are you a guy that does a lot of talking during games i get the no i that. don't i don't at yeah. all
2: no i i mean when i'm on the bench usually i chat a little bit more just to try to help them as much as i can try to get guys off their game but um yeah i i don't but you'll definitely hear it a lot i mean well uh You'll know who's chirping out
1: there for sure. Well, TK is going to be a global superstar if that's the case, because he doesn't yeah. stop.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, we, need to, we need to make some crowd noise just to
1: wash him out. Yeah, yeah. The pump in fake crowd noise just to drown him out. Uh, last question for you. Uh, I saw the picture that you put on uh, Twitter with the uh, Stadium Series mask on. What an awesome mask, by the way. And then you kind of got shamed into putting out another tweet because. You saw all the shelving in your house with all your masks on display. Um, first of all, I, I used that to shame Brian Boucher into putting some shelving in his house because he was on my other podcast, and he had nowhere to display his mask, so he put shelving in. But um, your mask <laughs> designs over the year, you, you have such a classic touch to it. Um, what goes into you, to your thinking when you design your mask and, and kind of articulate that to to whoever's painting your, your bucket?
2: Yeah. um, I I try to, you know, keep it like 90s, like where I grew up, you know, like I love like Felix Poffin's mask. I think his mask is probably the most iconic in my eyes that has ever been. I mean, I know there's different styles and, you know, the first mask to come in and stuff like that with Jacques Blanc. But um, I think Felix Poffin and then um, Eddie Belfour is another one that's just so classic that he just, he just changed the color, uh, from team to team and, uh, stuck with the same design and same with, same with, uh, Felix. And then, you know, Cujo, he had a little more detail, but, um, you know, he kept his dog and, um, you know, I try to, uh, that's what I wanted. And I, I tried to get that with a, with a moose helmet. It's hard because you need antlers and you can't really put antlers on a map that well. Um, like a 10 point. Yeah. I try to, yeah, I try to, you know, keep it, you know, as, as nice and clean and not too busy uh, as I can. And, um, you know, I, I think the stadium shir- series showed that, but, um, you know, I really like that one. Uh, it's better even close up than, than from afar, but um, yeah, I just try to say, keep it nice and clean. And I usually come up with uh, designs myself and then they kind of, you know, take the artistic uh, part of it over from me, but um, I got a new one coming and, uh, it was for the playoff run and, uh, I really, I really i am proud of it. So I, I hope it turns out okay. I haven't seen the finished product, but if we get back, I think I'll be wearing a new mask.
1: Oh, no kidding. So that'll be your third one this year, if I remember right, correct?
2: Um... I, I think,
1: I don't know. I think I just
2: started with one.
1: Oh, did you? Was, okay. Oh, you did go three. to your, you went to your backup on one occasion this year. That's why it was your mask from last year. Uh, I did notice too, you yeah, went with a flat finish this year, which I love by the way. Yeah. The last
2: couple of years I've tried that flat and um, yeah, I, I love it. I think it lets you see it from afar a little bit better. You know, the people in the top, top stand still know what's on your mask instead of it being too shiny off the lights. So, that's what I tried to go for. And, um, you know, I, I'm proud of them. You know, you, there's some things that you'd like to tweak and wish you did a little bit better, but that's what, you know, next year's mask is all about.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, I, you've got so many iconic ones. I love the, the, the one you did, the Cujo one, uh, 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 the, you know, with the, with the blues and, and the notes on the chin piece, it was just awesome and a uh, really cool display that you got there in the house. So, uh, good on you for that, man. We'll have to get you on my other podcast and uh, display all those one time for all the goalie nerds. But, um, hey, man, I appreciate yeah. you doing this, Moose, and, uh, you know, uh, keep those hips loose. Keep hula hooping, man. <laughs> if, <laughs> exactly. Maybe I ought to start doing that. You see me wobble around. My hips are gassed, but um, <laughs> but I'm 48, too, so it doesn't help any. But, uh, hey, I appreciate you yeah. doing this. Stay healthy, and uh, hopefully we'll get you back on the ice soon. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Good talking to you.
0: Thanks to Brian Elliott for uh, taking time while on the deck in Wisconsin and uh, quarantining or uh, observing the stay-at-home order in fine fashion, and we hope that uh, he gets off, that, uh, off the lake or off the water there and gets back here to Philadelphia soon and can get back uh, practicing and preparing for a Stanley Cup playoff run. Uh, As a member of the Philadelphia Flyers. In the meantime, we'll be back for another episode on Wednesday. Everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, Real quick, too, happy Mother's Day, belated to all the mothers out there, my wife, and uh, all the mothers out there doing so much for their husbands, for their kids, and everything else. We are truly thankful. You have the greatest job and the toughest job in the world. In the meantime, thanks for listening. We'll catch you on Wednesday's episode of Flyers Daily. Stay healthy, everyone.